turn then to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. John chapter 10. We'll begin reading at verse 1, and again reading through verse 21. John 10, 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me. And I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that you have given us. We pray that you will help us to further understand them. pray that you will be with Pastor Bob as he brings us light of this word and that you will guide him in what he has to say for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So three main points. First of all, the illustration that Jesus is using here. Secondly, just uh, a couple of comments about the word that Jesus includes here in the fact that he is the door or the gate of the sheep. And then thirdly, the teaching. What is Jesus conveying 
to those who are in that audience and what is he conveying to us today about and through this illustration that he is giving. You'll recall that last Lord's Day we were looking in John chapter 10 at how it is that Jesus leads his, his sheep. The Sunday before we had how Jesus calls the sheep, he calls them by name, but then he doesn't just call, he also leads. Last Lord's Day we looked at then how it is that the good shepherd leads his sheep, the means by which he leads. And as we dealt with that, we talked about uh, how it is through the elders of the church today that Jesus leads, through the preaching of the word, through his word, through his speaking to us, clearly his word, and by his example. This is the means by which Christ leads. But as that illustration ends, notice verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't get it. They didn't get the deeper picture. They didn't get, they, they get the illustration, that they understand, but they don't understand what Jesus meant by it. Now Jesus speaks again to them. We're still dealing with a shepherd and a sheep as you read through this next section of verses or as you listen a few moments ago, you, you know we're not talking about a man in a fishing boat. Uh, we're not talking about a farmer sowing seeds. So the, the basic concept has remained the same. He's still talking about a shepherd and he's still talking about sheep. What has changed is the location. That which Jesus is now speaking of would not have occurred in the same situation that we've been dealing with for the last several weeks. That situation of being in a city, of having a large sheep pen in which there are many different sheep folds included in. And they're all included in this one location. As they come to the city, they all herd them to this one place. And then in the morning, the shepherd comes, calls his sheep, and leads his sheep out. That's not the picture. There's nobody in Jesus' day reading these verses or hearing Jesus' explanation would think, oh, we're in the same location. They would have understood by the way in which Jesus is speaking, the illustration Jesus is using, that we are not there anymore. The shepherd has called out his sheep. The shepherd has led his sheep now out towards the pasture land. But as often would occur, those shepherds were not coming in daily. They wouldn't take the 5, 10 miles they maybe needed to go to find the pasture land, and then that night, bring them all back again. Next morning, back out again. They would do this for long periods of time. So Jesus is saying, okay, I, I called my sheep, I led my sheep as the shepherd. The shepherd now is taking his flock, and they are out there in the countryside. That is where we are for these verses. And it's important that we understand that. We, we have to get the, the context 
of what Jesus is saying in order to understand the meaning behind Jesus' use of this figure of speech. So we're out in the country. What do we find? We find that there is a sheepfold there. And it is a sheepfold for a singular flock. Not a multiple. It's not like there's all sorts of shepherds bringing their sheep to this particular fold, as was the case in the city. But in the country, each shepherd took care of his own particular flock. So first of all, understand that. It's a single flock which the shepherd has called his sheep. They're out in the countryside and there are his sheep gathered. A single flock. Secondly, there is some sort of containment for the sheep. They have pastured for the day. They have watered for the day. And now the shepherd rather than leaving his flock exposed to all sorts of dangers that may come at night, takes his flock, gathers his flock into a sh some sort of shelter, some sort of containment. Generally, and most typically, this was an area that was made out of a stone wall. So he collected stones, perhaps there's, there's a, an embankment or stone, solid stone behind it, and then the sheep go in and the shepherd has made, ahead of time, a stone embankment and to enclose the sheep. And he brings the sheep into that enclosed arrangement, except there is a single solitary opening. There is only one way to get in to this place that is guarded, this place that is protected, this place that is contained. There is an opening through which the shepherd brings the sheep. And then the shepherd himself lays down in front of that opening to close it off so that anyone coming in can only come in through the shepherd. Oh, he speaks of the robber and the thief that he obviously looks out for, but none of them come through the shepherd. They come over the wall. They come over the, the containment. So understand the picture. Hopefully we got that embedded in our minds as to what is going on. There is only one way for the sheep to come in and out to the pasture. They come in from the pasture through this opening. They go out to pasture through the opening. There's no other way for these sheep to go. Now look with me at verse 7. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And he repeats that 
a couple more times in this section. So I just want to pause and just say, this word that Jesus uses, I am the door. It is singular. It's not doors, or if your version uses the word gates, it's not gates. It's not multiple. It is singular. There is but one. That's, to, that's because he's, he's using that illustration. If Jesus had said, there are multiple gates, everybody in the audience would have gone, what a lousy shepherd that is. That doesn't fit our experience. That doesn't fit what we know happens. What are you doing? Multiple gates. That makes absolutely no sense. How can one shepherd guard multiple gates? That, that makes no sense whatsoever. Those sheep are just going to go in and out whenever they want to. There can be but only one gate. That's the way it's done. That's the way you shepherd sheep. So to continue the illustration, it is necessary for us to understand this is what Jesus is emphasizing. The whole thing is Jesus underscoring this idea of single, solitary, one. He's just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Now, the word itself, okay, which in the Greek is thura, which interestingly almost sounds like through, okay, which is what you do with a door, but I, I don't think that's where we got it from, but it, it sounds like it. So if you're wondering, okay, how can I remember that Greek word, just think, okay, uh, it, you go through a door. Ah, okay, you're, you're pretty close to the Greek, at least you're pretty close to Pastor Bob's Greek. So we'll, we'll go with that. But some of your versions use different words. Okay? Some of your versions use the word gate. Some versions use the word entrance. Some versions okay, use the word opening. Our version uses the word door. Now the word door is what it means. And the word gate is what it means. The word entrance, opening is what it means. The problem is, you and I hear the word door, and we've got a 21st century idea, right? So we've got this sheep and pet uh, place where we're keeping sheep, and then we've got this door jam, and we've got a nice door still, and we've got a nice maybe oak door, maybe six, seven, eight panel door, and we've got a nice brass doorknob, and there's a keyhole, okay? And that's what we've got in our minds when we think door. But that's not what is meant. Door simply means the way in, the entrance, the gate, the way you get into something. That's what the door means. Not the physical, as we think about the doors in the back here or the doors on the side or the doors for this little closet. It simply means, it's the meaning of the word that we are after here. The way in to something. So what is Jesus teaching? What is the point? Well, let's go back, first of all, to the first illustration that we were given in verses 1 through 6. Jesus, in that illustration, says that the shepherd 
calls his sheep out from all the rest of these sheep that are in the sheep pen. The point Jesus is making is this. I have come as the good shepherd to call you out of all false religions. I have come to call you out of the world. I have come to call you out of Judaism. I have call, come to call you out of any sort of religion of works righteousness. I have come to call you out. You are to come. Those who hear my voice, follow me. How do they hear his voice? Jesus says that the Father himself draws them. So indeed, that first picture is, is more the picture of the world. And in this world, Jesus is calling out of this world those who are his. And his sheep learn the sound of his voice because the Father draws them to that shepherd's voice. And then that shepherd, Jesus, leads his sheep out of all of this falseness out of all this wrong religion, out of all of this somewhat idea that I can save myself by what I do, by what I think, by what I will. I lead you out of that. But now, he has his flock. This is his church. These are his people. This is to whom Psalm 23 is written. This is what Isaiah meant when he said that the Lord is the shepherd of his people. This is where we are now. His people in the midst of the world. His called out ones who are now with their shepherd. They know him. He knows them, John chapter 10. And they are there. They are guarded. They are protected. But there's only one way to enter in to that sheepfold. I am the door of the sheep. Now take your scriptures for just a moment, okay? Go with me forward to John chapter 14. Verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord... We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Does Jesus always tell us the truth? Jesus ever lie? Can Jesus lie? No. This is the truth. No one. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
except through me, except through the gate, except through the door, except through the entrance. The only way into that sheep pen, the only way into the church of Jesus Christ, the only way into the body of Jesus Christ, the only way into glory, the only way into the presence of the Father is through me. No one. No exceptions. So do you see why in John chapter 10, Jesus is emphasizing okay, the door, singular, and that I am the door, I am the gate. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Is this what, obviously we'd say this is what Jesus said, this is what Jesus taught, okay? Is this what the church taught? Is this what those who who were given the responsibility of going out into the world, is this what they taught? Or did they uh, think, well, you know, we got to clarify what Jesus said. Because, you know, Jesus told us some stuff in secret. Jesus told us some stuff that's not in the word. So, you know, we, we, we've got to make sure to let you know, okay, as the apostles of Jesus Christ, how, how, what Jesus really meant by what he said. So here we are in Acts chapter 4. Okay, we're going to pick it up at verse 8. Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Do they understand a single gate? Do they understand one door? Do they understand the exclusiveness of the claim, then, of Christianity? There is no other name. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so that, that's pretty authenticated, right? We have, indeed, in, the, in these few verses, the Trinity at work, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all confirming the same thing. By the mouth of two or three witnesses is a thing confirmed. Here it's confirmed. Salvation. Jesus Christ alone. Go with me to Acts chapter 13. You say, well, that's kind of the initial stages. What about later on? in the history of the church. Acts chapter 13. We're on the first missionary tour. Okay. 
So now we're in mission work. What do you proclaim in mission work? Does, the, does, does the, that which has been said by Jesus, reiterated by the apostles, now come into play when the church goes out in its work of missions? Acts 13, starting at verse 23, we read, Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, singular, Jesus, as he promised. Now go to verse 28. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to their children by raising Jesus. Okay, so the emphasis falls upon Jesus. Now go to verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. By this man, singular, solitary, gate. This man is the entrance into freedom. But what about later in church history? Okay, as the church goes on. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. Starting at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. In him. Where do we have access to the Father? In him. What did Jesus say? John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one has access to the Father but through me. Does the church continue to teach it, practice it, demonstrate it to the world that there is but one Savior? Yes. 1 Timothy. One last passage here. 1 Timothy. Chapter 2. Verse 5. 
For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. One gate, one door, one entrance, one way. It's the only way. That makes, you see, Christianity unique. And it makes it unique because Jesus didn't say, I teach you the way. Jesus doesn't say, I have discovered the way. Jesus doesn't say, I have uncovered these profound principles that lead and guide us towards some sort of utopia. You realize you could do that with every other religion? You don't need the leader. You don't need Muhammad to teach Islam. You don't need Buddha to teach Buddhism. You, you don't need it. Because it's not the person, it's the way. It's the teaching. You follow these steps, you follow these guides, you, you follow these principles, and, and you, shall, you shall achieve nirvana. You shall you achieve your utopia. You shall achieve your salvation. Christianity is unique. It doesn't say, here is a way... Here are the principles. Christianity says, here is the man. Here is the person. The salvation is in the person. Not in what he taught. Not in what he said. It's the person of Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. The son of God, Jesus Christ. It's not that Jesus says, hey, yeah, there's this sheep pen, and the shepherd puts up some signs outside. And the shepherd, the signs say, hey, if you just take one step at a time, just take one day at a time, you'll be able to find your way into the sheepfold. The, sh the sign doesn't say, hey, you know what? You're on the outside. You want to come in? Think positive thoughts. Think happy thoughts. And, and you know, the more you think your happy thoughts, the closer you, I mean, pretty soon you'll find out, hey, I'm inside the pen. There isn't a sign on the outside. There is a person laying across the opening. I am the door. See, the only way to salvation, my friends, is to have a personal relationship with a person. Jesus Christ. It's the only way of salvation. Salvation isn't found by knowing a bunch of theology. Salvation isn't found by 
keeping some rituals. Salvation isn't found by going to church twice on Sunday. Salvation isn't found by tithing. Salvation isn't found by going on a missionary trip. Salvation is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. And outside of the person of Jesus Christ and your personal relationship with him, there is no salvation. There is no other way to the Father but through me. Our world, you see, is full of contradictions to this. Our world teaches a a pluralism. It's Satan's subtle voice saying in the ears of mankind, did Jesus really say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me? Or are Christians just being really exclusive? This is often pictured in society as somehow salvation is this mountaintop to which we're all going Okay? And, and there's all sorts of roads you can take up to the mountaintop. There's all sorts of different pathways you can take. And, and you just got to take whichever one you chooses and fits you best. If Hinduism fits you best, then take it, live it well, and you'll get to the, the apex of the mountain. If Christianity is your thing, fine, then follow it, it'll get you there. If, if Islam is your thing, it'll get there. And you go, oh, tch- that's, that's ridiculous. That is what your children are taught daily by this society over and over and over again. From the denial of Jesus Christ as the creator to the denial of Jesus Christ as the Savior. And little by little, the heart and soul of your children is being eroded by the lie of Satan. And it doesn't change because you send them to some nice Christian institution. Those institutions as well have bumper stickers in their faculty parking lot, let's just all coexist. As if somehow or another our exclusive claim of Christ needs to be watered down a little bit. Don't get so passionate, Pastor Bob. Come on. There's other ways. Certainly those people who believe in the mediator, Mary, will find their way to heaven. Really? Did you listen to what Jesus said? I know some of you cringe every time. Oh, bring up Catholic faith. and Oh, folks, listen. A person who is convinced that the Catholic faith is true isn't saved. The only Catholic who's ever going to make it into heaven is a bad Catholic. Because if you believe the truth that Mary is your mediator, it's a lie. If you believe the falsehood, about Christ that the Mormon church teaches. There is no salvation. If you believe the heresy of a Jehovah's Witness, there is no salvation. 
If you're convicted of Islam, there is no salvation. If you're following the pathway of Buddha or Hindu, there is no salvation. One man only. Christ Jesus is salvation. Are there many roads to the mountaintop? No. Jesus said there are but two roads. There is a wide road that many are on, and it leads to destruction. And there is but one road that leads to life, and it is narrow. And few there are that are upon it. Understand, my friends, that the mission of the church of Jesus Christ has never been more important than to declare to this world there is a good shepherd. And all the love, the care, the passion of that good shepherd for he lays down his life for his sheep. But there is but one. There is but one. The good shepherd who said, I am the door. Today, if you hear his voice, listen. Follow, enter the sheepfold of Christ. For there you'll find the peace, the joy, and the abundant life. Guard your heart. Guard the heart of your children. A relationship with Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Father, may we, as the church here in this particular place called Little Farms, be faithful. Be faithful in its proclamation of the message that the Good Shepherd has said there is a door. that Jesus Christ himself is that door. May we faithfully, faithfully teach. May we faithfully live. And may each one of us, Father, have that personal relationship with Christ. May we know him as our Lord. May we know him as our Savior. May we know him as our King. May we know him as our Shepherd. May we live with the joy and the hope of knowing someday when this life is done, there is nothing but glory because of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. In his name we pray and God's people say, amen.